Well, welcome back to the Filmies podcast. I'm Neve, and I'm here with Alex, Shelby and Zara today. And today we're going to talk about adult animation and Disney. So, I mean, I'm sure everyone's heard of Disney by now. If you haven't, where have you been hiding? I mean, it's everywhere. Um, Walt Disney Animation first uh, released a film in 1928 with Steamboat Willie. They'd had films before with their Alice in Wonderland tales, but this was their first animation as we know it. Steamboat Willie broke the mold for animation in two major ways. It was where we first met Mickey Mouse and Minnie, which I feel has imprinted on the culture of the world forever. But it's also the first time that there was synchronized sound with animation. So Disney thought is the forefront of technology and animation and still is to this day. There are programs that are constantly being designed with their CGI. And even back in the paper animation days, they were always pushing to be go forward and to do more. But what I always find interesting about animation is that a lot of people think it's for kids, that you see the bright colourful pictures on the screen and that it's not worth your time nor your respect and I think that's completely wrong. It's such an amazing way to tell innovative stories to reach minds both young and old and I think no film sums this up better than Disney's Lilo and Stitch which was released in 2002. If you haven't seen Lilo and Stitch it's about a little blue alien called Stitch, experiment 626, who crash lands in Hawaii and finds himself living with Nani and Lilo, two sisters who are dealing with the grief of their pet, like dealing with grief after their parents have unfortunately died in a car crash it, somewhat recently. Uh, and so I'll open you to the floor. What does everyone think about Lilo and Stitch? I cry like a little baby when I watch Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> I just love it. It's so beautiful. And I think what has always stood out to me, because I sort of, I grew up with Lilo and Stitch. That was, I was in a hula dance class and we did a song to the hula. (laughs) So I would always watch it whenever I was practicing my hula. (laughs) But I think what is the most precious thing. I just that image. Oh my God. Um, I think what is, really interesting particularly with Disney at this time was that it did represent a fraction of American culture that really isn't seen on screen too much so it is that Hawaiian culture and it is very much grounded in the identity of Hawaii yeah Uh, and the fact that the characters aren't white they are the the native Hawaiians yeah um which is something that's so unique not only with Disney I mean still with Disney films are very dominated by white identity but the fact that this was released in 2002, in two, yeah. it, was, it was very much dominated on the Hawaiian culture. And it showed not just a white America, but a part of America that not a lot of people know because not a lot of people really identify um, Hawaiians with Americans since they are their own island. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it does a great job with showing a different part of American culture that we're not used to seeing. See, what I love even in Lilo and Stitch is that the sort of tourist side of Hawaii is even played as a joke. Like, not um, Lilo finds them so fascinating, these tourists that come to her home and are like, why are you coming here just to eat ice cream on the beach? Like, the ice cream guy where his ice cream keeps dropping. Like, it is such a joke, the, like, the tourists that are coming. I think it's a very funny play. And it's such a kid's film as well, taking the mick out of corporate America. I think it's very interesting. Well, uh, my main point about the sort of adult animation thing is because when this film came out, I was three and I watched it again recently. I'm now 21. 
and it read a completely different film to me. So when I was three, Nani was a villain. She was this mean lady who wouldn't let Lilo and Stitch have fun. Why did she want to send Stitch away? I used to get really cross. But Nani in the film is a 19-year-old woman whose parents have just died and has been left as the sole caregiver for her kid sister and is battling social services to keep her sister with her. And it is like a tragedy watching it. I'm like, this poor, like, you just want to give her a hug. Like, she just needs help. Like, Stitch makes her lose her job, so she needs to find a job. And I think it's so interesting that this Disney film, this film that is famous for princesses and faraway stories, is telling this really personal, upsetting story with aliens. Like, it's just crazy to me. Yeah, I know. It's so, so great. And also, I think it shows, like, I, when I rewatched it quite recently as well, I think you see Lilo not only having fun with Stitch, but also you see her kind of, like, growing up really fast because she wants to teach Stitch all of yeah. these things. Um, and she's all, almost acting like Nani is to her. She's acting, you know, she wants to teach him things and learn him how to socialise and um, just take care of him. And that's quite, like, an adult thing to do for her, I think. I really agree with that. I also think it's really interesting that the first sort of act, Lilo's, it's never openly stated, but it's kind of like she's suffering with a form of depression, you know, where she lashes out, she's aggressive, she can't control her emotions, and she just lays on the floor like she's lost all hope, she's lonely. And I think, again, seeing an eight-year-old with such complex mental health issues, like it's a really fascinating portrayal in a 2002 Disney film. Like, I think there's such a drastic, there's almost two films playing in one. I think it's really interesting. I think what identifies the most with what I always think of when I think of Lilo and Stitch is that image of her laying on the ground with the yeah. record player. It's like such an adult image. It's like, I'm going to listen. Like, it's like today, like, we just listened to Phoebe Bridgers and it's like really sad. <laughs> you know, we just all like sit there and cry. Like, you know, the new Taylor Swift album. And, but that's like, you know, what she's doing at like eight. And you're just like, wow, that's, you know even though she is a child, she does have a, a lot of, and even the fact that she just lost her parents as well, she doesn't know how to cope with those no. emotions and, you know, being able to teach Stitch as if she's now Stitch's parent, she's able to identify more with how to channel her emotions, be able to understand what she's feeling. Um, and it is, like you said, a really complex idea because I, I mean, I don't even know my emotions. I'm 24 and I still can't figure <laughs> out what I'm feeling. <laughs> Sorry, oh my God. <laughs> there's a really particular scene that stuck with me when I was watching it today and it's when uh, she first brings Stitch into her bedroom and he goes up to her window and she's got a painting and Stitch tears it and she says don't do that that was during my blue time obviously referring to just after her parents had died and that really struck me because I thought she has such a strong sense that that's not necessarily behind her but she's worked past that initial trauma and that it seems so mature and such a understanding that so many adults don't have yeah um it, i just found that really really poignant and like you say the first thing you think of is her lying on the floor but i feel like that is a really small thing that they st stuck in there which is really powerful but just really quickly gets passed over yeah, and I think there's a lot of these instances in the film, like one of the things that sticks with me as someone who grew up uh, really working class, it's, it is the kind of um, way it deals with class and the fact that she goes to these Zula classes and she brings a doll in and it's like she made it herself and she's so proud of it because, she, you know, she made it herself and that's such a creative 
thing to do for a child who doesn't have a lot of resources but then she just gets completely mocked for it because obviously it's ugly <laughs> and the other kids it's not this like shop-bought cute doll um, and that's something that always sticks with me because that's something that I could have really related to as a child and I think having that that reference point there when you're growing up with it even if you don't necessarily understand class at that age you can relate to it and you understand what that means and yeah I think that's that was quite powerful for me I think if we go back and think about the the, the white guy with the ice cream that the tourists the the, the only representations of white people you see are these tourists who obviously have enough money to come and visit. And I noticed that always in the background, observing, watching, like taking in as entertainment. And I, that's really important because they, they can't relate to these struggles that Lilo and her family are going through. It is purely a, almost the way we're watching them. Like everyone watching comes from different backgrounds, but it's, it's, fascinating because so many people aren't in those positions but and so but they're not being invited in they just they're taking and being in this space taking and i'm i'm losing my point i'm really sorry guys no, <laughs> i think what is interesting about it is that they represent the white people as very much looking into this culture and looking at these people as if, you know, as if they're to be looked at. Yeah. You know, the way that Hawaii is represented, is it's a place to go for vacation, for holiday, to go to the beach, and it's really pretty. But there's so much culture and heritage, and it really much has this essence of imperialism where, you know, the white American culture has come in and sort of destroyed this Hawaiian culture, this very native culture. And I think that that is a really big concept, particularly for Disney to, you know, talk about is, you know, imperialism and appropriating people's culture. Um, and I think unlike a lot of other Disney movies where they sort of miss the mark and they sort of stereotype, I think a lot of, um, a lot of different cultures where it's, they sort of play a lot more onto the stereotypes and, you know, Disney is very well known for creating cultural stereotypes within different ethnicities and different um, cultures. Whereas I think Lilo and Stitch, perhaps because it is in a way part of American culture, it does still have that identity as American. Yeah. But it does have more of a, a sense of being able to capture the essence of what the Hawaiian identity is compared to some of the other films. See, all these points I think really really highlight the fact that this film is mature for what it for what it seems like there's imperialist discussions sister discussions mental health sort of just life in general grief there are so many themes that you wouldn't expect in a film but this kind of moves on to my next point where the marketing campaign which i have still have such vivid memories only features stitch and to this day the sort of social consciousness only really remember that cute, cheeky, fluffy blue alien. Whereas Lilo, Nani, David, and the rest of the people in that film were somewhat pushed aside, but they're not, it's not really their film, it's Stitch. He is that film, which I find so interesting, how people somewhat just choose to ignore all the amazing adult themes in it and just like, oh, look, bang, bang, look, there's a gun and a big shark man. Which are great, by the way, I, all, I love them, but I think really like people need to, 
understand how amazing this film is. And I think even if you think about like the franchise of Lilo and Stitch, because I know after Lilo and Stitch became popular, the movie became popular. They had, I don't know if you guys had it there, but on Disney Channel, they had the TV show, Loved which was all the, different, <laughs> all the different aliens. Just, and I think what I remember the most about the TV show was it was just them going around and collecting the other fluffy aliens. It was like Pokemon. Yeah. You know, it, wasn't, it didn't really have that same essence and it really just became sort of this capitalist marketing machine where it was just like, oh, we're going to capitalize on the cute little alien um, and, you know, just make it like fun. Whereas I do think like what people, that, that's sort of the idea that people get behind these sort of animation movies is they feel like something like, you know, they get so caught up in the Disney princess side of it, or they, you know, it's, it has these very surface level themes that are translatable to kids and that really identify the film with the kids that are watching it. But if you continue to watch these films throughout your life, you'll always find elements in it because they are at the end of the day created by adults. Yeah. And so they are, have that consciousness of an adult brain behind them. And I think that's sort of the thing that gets lost is like you said, the marketing is just very focused on, you know, the cute little alien that's going to make the kids go and see the movie. Whereas like, I, I always think when I saw Toy Story 3 and they're all holding hands going into that. Oh no, don't oh, get me started. I was sobbing. <laughs> I was in the same oh. like, because like I had, I had little stuffed animals and I used to think that like when they were, when I would leave the house, they would turn into, like they would come alive. Like the get toys and Toy Story and I would wait on the step for them to get back into their place before I went into my room and so like seeing those seeing those toys go into that inferno oh my god like I almost like I couldn't like I think I had my first panic attack <laughs> <watching that movie. laughs> it was so sad and you know so that's something like and you don't expect it to hit you that way because you go into it thinking oh it's just going to be a fun animated movie yeah Pixar movie um but you know they do uh, I think a lot of them like Inside Out is another one that oh, no. a lot of mental, <laughs> and mental illness and depression and these really complex things that are, yeah, at the end of the day are simplified for the kids that are watching, but still have this, you know, big essence of allowing kids to understand sort of their emotions and understand, yeah. understand the world around them. See, when I was even coming up with this podcast, I was toying with do, doing Hunchback of Notre Dame, which is another Disney because that film has an entire three-minute song just dedicated to someone's um, lust. Can we say lust? Someone's lust towards Esmeralda. That is a whole three-minute song about how it's a sin and how he'll burn in hell if he does so. Like, that is an adult theme. There is no way to hide that that is an adult theme. And I think Disney does it so well of just kind of pushing them under and, like, getting them into your brains. And then you watch them as adults, like, oh, my God, I used to watch this as a kid. Like, I think it's so clever with what it does. And even animation as a whole sort of moving on, I think it really, really, it kind of is rudely overlooked. So. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, actually, because I was having this conversation with my friend who I, you know, I love her and I respect her film taste, but then she, like, came out to me one day being like, oh, I really don't watch animated movies. I just don't like them because they're for children. And I was like, I think we need to reconsider this friendship uh, because I was, I was hugely offended by this because I just don't understand. I love going to see them, and I do think they can make you feel just, you know, all of the emotions that adult films and, like, live-action films can make you feel. See, even doing the research for this, Beauty and the Beast, there wasn't a Best Animation at the Academy Awards up until, like, 2001, 2002, but Beauty and the Beast was such a brilliant film, it was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. 
like animation will should have there should have been an animation category for years prior but i think the reason people don't respect it is that up until recently there wasn't a, a sort of campaign for them at the awards and now that there is because there's a lack of animated films that are released every year there's just the generic box office ones that get thrown in and people don't respect it it's just every animated film will get nominated because those are the ones that came out this year so there's a sort of a fine line it's like you know studio ghibli yeah is, is that is like the epitome of mature themes in anime. yeah uh, i think those films really i always wonder if people in England take them more seriously because they are translated and I feel like when you add subtitles to anything people are like ah this is more mature yeah yeah and I feel like it changes people's perception of the films because like translated cinema is just considered you know um international cinema and with subtitles just considered more like indie and more intellectual and so I wonder if people connect because Ghibli's huge like in you know, Ghibli is like really big and really commercial, just as much as Disney and Pixar and everything else. Disney owns Studio Ghibli. Disney yeah, owns yeah. the distribution rights for Studio Ghibli. But I think because Disney is such a cornerstone in people's childhoods, and you sort of assume that being a child, you're uneducated, films are dumbed down, that you just um, you just assume that they're not worth your time as an adult. And I know. I kind of stumbled across Disney quite late in my life, so I've had sort of a different experience, but those people don't want to revisit it. So I think, if anything, if you're listening to this podcast, it's polemic. Please go back, watch a film that you loved as a kid, and I'm sure you'll find themes that will kind of harrow you and make you be like, oh my God, what? I missed this. Shake it up a bit. (laughs) Yeah. So if you need a little cry, just watch a Disney movie. Yeah. If you need a little weep, Toy Story 3, oh, it's horrible. Hopefully you enjoyed a discussion all about Lilo and Stitch. If you're interested in learning more about what we thought, you can visit our website, film-east.com, to read our article all about adult animation and Disney. If you're interested in contributing to our film and TV blog, visit film-east.com forward slash submissions for more information. To learn more about Film East and the Young Film Programmers, visit our website or follow us on any of our social medias at films underscore east. Again, we're Film East, a Norwich-based young film programming group supported by Real Connections and a part of Film Hub Southeast and the BFI Fan Network.